This is gonna be fucking fun. Ryan, you are in the hole with Major League A-Holes on a thirsty Thursday once again. We've been doing this a few times in a row. What do you got over there? I got a delicious Miller Lite. It's a, it's a award-winning Pilsner. It's won the gold medal several times. I don't know if you're aware of that. The award for Schmill. <laughs> I, of course, am drinking my customary Surly Furious IPA. Mmm. Delicious. Mm. God, so crisp. Such a crisp refreshing finish on this i think we've talked about this before i will definitely drink a miller light at a ballpark or a bud light at a ballpark every any kind of beer tastes fantastic at a ballpark but in my home i am a snob i'm a beer snob for sure we are doing a baseball podcast (laughs) yeah well that makes sense i get it i like to be in the out of doors i believe i i love i love uh miller light if you need a sponsor if you want to do a sponsorship (laughs) we're, we're here we did lose our beer sponsor last year. Uh, I'm sure we'll be happy to step into the vacuum. Yes. Come on. Come on over, boys. <laughs> well, we are. This is like two weeks since our last podcast. Uh, of course, a lot of trades have happened. A couple, couple things have happened. <laughs> we, we didn't miss much. Usually I'm the one taking a vacation on the trade deadline for a couple weeks. Last two years I did inexplicably but somehow this year you're the one that took the vacation on trade deadline week <laughs> so we're fine you you've got i guess you have one more year where you can do this to even things up so, but yeah. hopefully we can figure this out by next year not to do it on the busiest we day of the summer schedule it at the same time when and then nothing is <laughs> lost yeah well we have a lot of shit to talk about obviously we've had a trade deadline come and go all of our teams were affected in some ways. Uh, we've had many, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had many other things happen. Uh, of course, we have a, a Giants aesthetics that we need to talk about. Of we have a <laughs> Cubs trade, uh, back kind of an incestuous trade again uh, with former members of the Tigers as well. I will definitely have to talk about my Tigers and how they were kind of the unfortunate show stealers of the trade deadline by not making a trade it should have happened. I'm going to, I'm going to try to break that down. That that might take a while. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. There's a lot of, a lot of convoluted things that happen in that thing. But of course the white Sox essentially went viral <laughs> the, the whole time with multiple stories that, yeah, that, the nation by storm. Never not in the news at this point. Yeah, I mean, you you guys know it's how to grab headlines. Definitely so. not, and it's never positive. Yeah, you've stayed you've stayed very relevant somehow, but not not in a positive light necessarily. No. So we have not one but two no nos of the week to talk about. We were gone for two weeks, so we've got two no nos to talk about. One involves a former tiger, which is unreal. We have uh, we, we kind of neglected shit we couldn't make up for a while. Some funny shit has has definitely happened in the last few weeks. So we've got a few of those. And we again we have a very predictable asshole of the week to get to. So I think there will be no controversy in in this uh, nomination for our asshole of the week. So I say we go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. <laughs> 
the big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Well, I, I get to continue to, to kick this off with my Giants, who uh, have a nice two-and-a-half game lead in the wild card. But um, since we last left, I believe when, I, when we last did the last podcast, they were two-and-a-half games out. They have fallen to six games out of first. Yikes. The Dodgers are red hot. They're eight and two in the last ten. The Giants are five and five in their last ten. And part of that has to do with, what I would, if I was passing out a grade, I would give them an F for the trade, the mm. trade deadline. I mean, at the same time, you know, this is kind of like what we were talking about uh, with the Cubs a few weeks ago. Like, you know, maybe they are okay, and and we'll talk about, you know, you'll get more into that with the Cubs. Like, maybe they're okay without making like any big moves because, um, you know. You know, for the Giants, they're with the team they've had in place. They're ten games over five hundred against teams who have winning records. They were in the hunt for the division. You know, nothing was everything was going fine. But you know, you also have to anticipate moves that are being made by the teams ahead of you to try and keep up, and they didn't. Um, and AJ were, Pollock, it's not AJ Pollock, up. fucking terrible, man. I mean, Ooh. that that to, to see him back in a with a team that I follow is yeah. There's some personal baggage people. there for you as a former White Sox there. So. I, I mean, to even make a trade for a guy with a 46 OPS plus for the season is just is just pathetic. I didn't realize he was having that bad of a year. Yeah, and then and then they also got. Mark Matthias, a 30-year-old. I didn't even see that. Yeah, 30-year-old journeyman who's most games played in a season is, has been like 30 games. That was hmm. between Milwaukee and Texas last year. Is he a middle reliever? No, he's a, he's a, a middle infielder. Oh, my God. He's just fucking shit. Then and bench depth, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, then they got Marquise Johnson, uh, mediocre pitcher. Like it just none of it made sense. And there were there were trades that that made sense, and um, it was dissected really well by Eric Cole in a, around the Foghorn, and, and he, he he. I like that. I haven't heard that before. That's yeah. Clever. He, he brought up he brought up three names that that would have made perfect sense and the giants would have had the assets to pull it off but i, I think the giants are kind of like you know we got we're 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 looking at the bigger picture here right if we don't you know make the if we don't go deep in the playoffs this year, it's not all lost because we have a really solid young nucleus. And how much of that do we really want to give up? Mm. Um, but the fact that you are where you are, you, 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 you can't, you don't know what's ever going to happen. <laughs> so right. when you're close, you need to make moves. And, you know, 
they they had the assets to acquire Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals. They they whiffed on that one. They they could have acquired Candelario that the Cubs acquired, and he would have mm-hmm. been a much better addition than the the schlubs they picked up to boost the offense. Or they even could have acquired Mark uh, Canna, but because yeah. the you know the Mets are looking to deal, obviously because of their mess. But like none of none of that none of that happened, and. You know, I, maybe the team's a little let down, like we didn't make any moves and, and they're kind of playing flat right now and they find themselves six games out of first. I mean, like I said, September's a huge month for them. Um, with the Cubs playing better now, I, the that matchup now in Wrigley at the beginning of September mm. could, could have wild card implications. That's huge. And then they end the season – Playing, I think I, I had mentioned they played the Dodgers like seven times out of the last 10 games. So like yeah. September is a huge fucking month. So, you know, they're dealing with these guys keep going in and off of the IL. And like, again, just to rail on AJ Pollock, he went on the IL yesterday. He's played like five shitty games for them. It's probably a blessing. He's on the IL for Christ's sake, but like, it's just, just a little bit disappointing. Uh, it, and I'm kind of like in between in my disappointment because like I really didn't expect them to do much this year. But now that they're in it, I kind of wanted them to do something. Like one one starting pitcher, one uh, top of the road, you know, middle top of the rotation starting pitcher would have gone a long way. And they just, yeah. they just didn't make it happen. So... I don't know. It's just a huge, huge disappointment. So it was a weird pitching market. It was. It we'll was. definitely get into deeper as we get in, get into the show. But yeah, I think that might explain part of it. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear about. I didn't really hear about the Giants at all, except for the Pollock move, which I was un- understandably, I think, underwhelmed by, and you are too, apparently. So I didn't even hear about the other guys. So yeah, I guess. I am kind of surprised the Giants didn't do a little more to maybe go for it or a little bit more. Maybe not go for it all out because I was arguing that the Cubs shouldn't go go crazy either. But well, yeah, you, I think they I think they kind of played it the same way, and the Cubs are like, we got a really solid nucleus here. Mm-hmm. We we have enough probably to you know continue to maybe win the division because because everyone was the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, so, so let's not like, let's not totally upset the balance, you know, but the giant, the giants would be going for the wild card. They don't have. Yeah. They don't have. Yeah. I don't think at this point they don't, they did. They, they yeah. would have had it. Might've, uh, might or maybe they never did. Maybe they were just like, that's what I'm getting at. I don't think they yeah. thought they were going to get the division. I thought they may, they may, you know, like think that they've got a reasonable shot at the wild card, but maybe they just decided we can get in the wild card, but what does that really mean? We're not going to really go, go nuts here and, and trade away future assets or valuable future assets to, to make a, make a run that's going to be doomed to fail eventually. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Right. And, 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 and yeah. And I guess smart in the long term, just like when you're it's frustrating fan, though, I mean, when you're right there though, fan, yeah. So, 
And they played it. the Dodgers tough all year, but I mean, who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it's enough. Maybe it's enough at the end of September. There could be injuries to the Dodgers that happen. You know, it has happened knows? before. Yeah, it has happened before. So we'll see. But like I said, like like my overall thoughts on the trade deadline for the Giants just just like very very poorly poorly done. But from a bigger picture standpoint, I guess they did the right thing. They didn't they didn't trade away any major top prospects to maybe like you like you alluded to Smitty and I agree with you that you know they they they're thinking of it more of like yeah we'll get into the playoffs this year but we're we're building for a, a extended playoff run yeah that that will that will reap higher better results than this one so but yeah that's that's all I got for that but um I know you wanted to talk about, uh, do a little aesthetic segment on uh, the newest sponsorship patch on the Giants uniform. Yeah, we, we've got an early aesthetics. Hey, Kramer, what do you think of this shirt? It's too busy. You know what you two look like? What? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fabulous. Yeah, the Giants are the latest team to actually have a jersey advertisement on their, on their sleeve. I believe it's Cruise. Like, what is it? Automated electric vehicles? Like yeah, so- sounds terrifying. Self-driving. Sounds self-driving. Ter- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard about this. It, that's a specific thing to San Francisco being uh, right. Silicon Valley. They've had self-driving cars there for quite some time. So I guess this is like a rideshare service or technically a, it's like a taxi service with no driver. You just yeah. call up call up an autonomous vehicle. It shows up at your door and you get in and trust it with your life. Yeah. That, and uh, the Giants, you know, they felt like the partnership makes sense because of how it's servicing uh the san francisco area and a lot of according to according to their um uh, president and ceo larry bauer that um or bayer they um you know a lot of fans take it to the game so Mm. it seemed like a natural partnership because you know it wouldn't just be this random nonsense it would be random if it happened in chicago but it's right random there but I, I think you wanted to get into the fact that they actually worked with Cruz to like integrate it yeah. into the uniform. Uh, this is almost going to turn into a City Connect jersey uh, <laughs> story. Um, so uh, I can let me go through the details. So um, the patch pays homage to the iconic Oracle Park archways, a notably distinctive architectural element located in the right field wall along with the port walk on the shores of McCovey Cove. Yeah, I'll describe it a little bit. It would be a typical, just a rectangle or square patch, but the top is an arch, which if you've ever been to Oracle Park, there's archways everywhere in there. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, it's I I think my overarching thought on this is it's really cool what they did 
to integrate not only the cruise brand, but integrate it with the giants brand, which yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't seen before. Like you, all the teams that have done this and you don't see it in advertising very much necessarily, but the, all the teams that have done this, just put a rectangle patch or whoever their sponsor is and just plaster it right on the sleeve. I guess the, the exception might be the tigers where they have the partnership with Meyer, uh, where they actually changed Meyer brand colors to tiger's colors which integrates it pretty nice but it's still just a boring rectangle essentially but i thought they did a really cool job i would never have guessed to to incorporate the the archways of the stadium itself and it's beyond the integrating the colors together which i thought they did a really cool job of as well yeah and then the colors are supposed to like represent a sunset because it, oh, right. it worked out that way so yeah yeah, I like uh, when you when you sent me that, and I was like, I was uh, reading it. I was like, oh god, it's like a fucking City Connect thing again. I haven't watched any Giants games since I haven't. Have you watched? And is the like, is it obnoxious? You've no, been, you've been on vacation, so maybe you haven't seen much. But no, um, I mean, I've seen some highlights and I've noticed it, but I, I haven't found anything really. Th- obnoxious except for the astros with that i was gonna say the astros oxy is that oxy like like advertising oxycontin or something i don't know oxy i I think it's the mets or somebody else has like adt or something just an enormous blue patch it just doesn't doesn't flow with the rest of the jersey at all it's just yeah as obnoxious as everyone thought that jersey ads would be but I think I think the the cruise ad is is the antithesis of that. I think they they worked really hard to make it work with the classic Giants jersey. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, and at the end of the day, like I don't really care if someone puts advertising on the jersey. To be honest, like a patch that if it's done in a, you know, as long as it doesn't affect. As long as it doesn't change anything that's on the uniform already. You know what I mean? If it's just in addition to it versus like, you know, now we're suddenly going to take off one of our sleeve patches to do advertising. That's a different story. Well, they did. Some teams have already done that. I think we talked about that before in anticipation. Like the Cubs have always had the National League logo on their sleeve. And that, that is suddenly been missing. I don't think a whole lot of people notice that. Not that it's necessary to be on there. That has been missing for a while. So to add in add in an advertisement eventually is, will be a little less jarring since you're not removing the the baby bear stomping through the middle of the sea or something like that. But right, exactly. That that that's what I'm and that's even more what I'm talking about. Like like the like on the socks on on the away jerseys, I think it's they have the socks on one of the sleeves. Yeah, and, and then you've got and, the, the diamond with the socks in the right, sock in right. the center. So, like, if something like that was removed to put advertising on, then I'd start to have a, a problem with it. Well, but you're coming up next at some point. I mean, I would think within the next year, you guys are going to have a, an ad patch of some sort. So, yeah, I'm just hoping the Cubs go with El Burrito Mexicano patch. I'm all for uh, that. I, I mean, come on, that's got to yeah. be it. Right there on, on Addison, right next to the stadium, the hole in the wall, best burrito joint in the city, maybe in the world. Oh my God. So many good times there. So many good times. Late night good times there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
I think I'm gonna give it a thumb double double middle fingers up for this jersey yeah. patch. I don't know. Yeah, if it's need to valid. Do it for a jersey patch, but it's it's thoughtful. It's a very well thought out patch, and I would also agree with you that the Tigers getting Meyer to agree. Like I don't even notice that patch really at all. Well, on the that's Tigers. what I was. Yeah, yeah I meant yeah. to say that. I it's I haven't like a noticed perfect it. Integration. Yeah, I, they did this several months ago now, and I I don't even think about it. It's a little more obvious on the road jersey because it's a navy blue patch. Yeah, on the on the the road grays, so you notice it a little bit. But at home, which is that that jersey is sacred. Be, yeah. yeah, very sacred in my mind. Many Tigers fans' minds, I don't even notice it anymore. So if they can get away with that, then I think it's going to be okay. If 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 teams are mindful about about things like that, it's, we've seen some are not already. But. Yeah. All right, we got an aesthetics out of the way already on this podcast. Woo! And you didn't roll your eyes or anything at me, so no. this is perfect. Yeah, I haven't. I'll, I'll start rolling your, my eyes at you in the next segment. Yeah, well, we'll yeah, definitely. I've, I've got something <laughs> set up for you, queued up perfectly for that. But well, the trade deadline came and went for the Cubs, uh, and they made a a more significant move than I thought they were going to. I, I was thinking they would stand pat, maybe make a minor move for a middle reliever, preferably a left-handed reliever, which they have none right now in the bullpen, unless you count Drew Smiley, who was just demoted from the starting rotation into the bullpen. Yeah, yikes. Uh, I, I did think that they might go for a, a corner infielder, which they were in desperate need of some depth there. I didn't think they'd go for Jim, Jim Candelario. I thought that might be out of their price range because he would have been the best corner infielder on the market, but they got him. Uh, and it's a reunion in, in several ways. It's for, for the Cubs. Of course, he was originally with the Cubs, uh, Cubs exactly. prospect that got traded to my tigers in the 2017. I believe it was the Alex Avila, maybe Justin Wilson trade uh, way back when. So, uh, yeah, so it's, a, again, a very incestuous situation where Jamer comes back into the fold. And my God, it could not have already proven to be the greatest trade of all time almost in, the, in these <laughs> first two weeks. He's got a, as a Cub now, he has a 1268 OPS. He is 16 for 33 in his time already. He had, I think he had eight hits in his first two games. Yeah, it's it's been a insane just a perfect fit he's a good guy he definitely fits in in the clubhouse he fits in on the field with production so i mean that is that that's a grand slam trade right there already uh, so impressive impressive or at least a fruitful move at this point all for it I, again i thought the cubs might do a little bit more they did add a middle reliever jose Cuas, i think is how you pronounce his last name from the Royals is what was kind of confusing about that. And his numbers aren't that great on the surface, but his numbers over the last couple months have been lights out. So I think that's what they're thinking for a little bit of bullpen depth. And he's actually been pretty decent with the Cubs so far in these, in these uh, 10 days or so. So, uh, but yeah, essentially, you know, minor deals. Candelario is bigger than I thought they would move. Obviously that's working out great so far. So, what do I do? I've got to give them, got to give the Cubs an A so far. Uh, we'll see how that plays out for the, if you're going to give grades out for the, for the deadline. But I, I had a, a larger question. This is where you're going to, you're going to roll your eyes, but 
suddenly the Cubs are potentially the best team in baseball. <laughs> and I'll lay out lay out my argument. I want to get your thoughts on this. But since June 9th, they have the second best record in baseball, believe it or not. Uh, we were talking about them as being one of the middle middling teams. Uh, just what, what do we do with the trade deadline? Should they sell? Should they buy? Well, really what's, what's happened is they're one of the best teams in all of baseball. The only team with a better record over the last two months is the Atlanta Braves. And you might have noticed that the Cubs actually beat the Atlanta Braves in a series this past weekend. Oh, they did. But then the Cubs... what did they follow that up with? <laughs> well, yeah, I know you, you love that. If, if only the Cubs had actually gotten a base hit in the ninth inning, with the runners in scoring position, nobody out. We have a little different narrative about that Mets series, but well, it's not what it's not what you could have done; it's what you did. <laughs> You're right. But the Cubs have also, since June 9th, scored more runs than anyone in baseball, which I was shocked when I looked that up. By the way, I've heard these stats, but I confirmed them all. I found a new website. Maybe you already knew about this, and maybe everybody knows about it. It's called Stats Muse. Yeah, you just punch in what you want and it spits it out at you. It's nuts. I, I yeah. just found it this week and I forgot how I even got to it, but I, I can't close it out of my browser because I don't want to forget about it. Like I just, I don't think I will now that I've recorded it, but I, I I've typed in so many different things and it just, it's, it's got to be artificial intelligence or something that's because it, it generates graphs immediately for your, for your query. Yeah. There's like animated pictures, like, like cartoon drawings of the player you're talking about. It's fucking crazy, man. It's unreal. So if, you, if you're looking for to get deep into stats or looking for a time frame or whatever, check out Stats Muse. I'm sure there's probably several different ones, but that's the one I stumbled upon. So that, that's where I'm pulling, pulling a lot. And I will be pulling more and more numbers throughout the year on, but I, I, that's cool. You already knew about it. Um, so June 9th keeps coming up because, Cubs really yeah. started their run at June 9th. It's also exactly two months ago, essentially. And the, the, the season is essentially four months old. So that's half the season now. that The Cubs have the second record in baseball, and they've scored the most runs. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, a leading question. But I'm going to say, are the Cubs the best team in baseball right now? And you're going to say no. Yeah, I'll go with no. <laughs> So who, I guess the next question is who would be the best team in baseball or how would you quantify that? Whoever just has the best record overall? No, I think you have to look at, you have to dig into like all the numbers. Um, I, I think the Cubs are the best team in baseball for the last two months, I guess. You can't that was argue be that. Next, that. You was can't argue be my... that. You yeah, can't do gonna... that from a from an offensive standpoint anyway. Okay. You're way um, ahead of me because that's what I was going to try to get you to agree yeah. to by the end of this. So. I, I would say offensively they are. I would say they're becoming offensive in pitching right now and starting pitching. Their starting pitching is mm. starting to decline. So like as a well-rounded game, like they were getting everything for a little bit there. Like Stroman was lights out. Steel was lights out. Steel's ERA just keeps rising, but the he keeps winning ball games because he lets up six runs. The Cubs score twelve runs, or or whatever it be, mm, they score enough. Steel, yeah, I... Steel let up five the other day, and the subs he had five earned runs. The the start before. Oh, you know what happened? 
because his ERA is still under two, under three. It's like two and a half, I think. I, I know exactly the game you're talking about. They actually made a scoring change two weeks later and made it an error. So those are all unearned runs. So that came off of his ERA. So I think I think you're seeing because if you look at his his ERA right now, it's still it's still I think two six maybe. Well, yeah, but it's two but six that, because it, at one point it was one something. Well, okay, but uh, yeah, what I'm saying is I'm what I'm saying is if you went on and looked at his numbers, and I, I think I brought this up the last podcast, his ERA over the I don't have the current the current numbers, but his ERA on our yeah, last podcast a- had gone up to like. It was like four eight six over the last month. Yeah, I wasn't so, prepared to defend Justin Steele because he's he's may have had one or two bad outings recently, but he's he's been pretty damn good. I know he won his last outing, but and then um, you just had someone demoted to the, to the <laughs> yeah. from your starting rotation. That's a problem. I, That's Drew Smiley. I, yeah, I would continue to say that Atlanta just as is from a rounded team standpoint is the best team in baseball. Um. But that's why I was so impressed. The Cubs it, actually took a series from that. Yeah, I was not yeah. expecting that at all. A uh, Cubs are a very good. They're they're a very good home team though. That's on the road where they start to struggle, which they have more games on the road to play remaining on their schedule than they do at home. They do so, still somehow have the easiest schedule remaining in all of baseball, which I was surprised by because they're on the road and they have more. No, that must be it. Yeah, they have more road games than home games. So yeah. I, but somehow it's the easiest schedule. So I thought that it's was, weird. Cause I just saw something the other day that said the white Sox had the easiest schedule. So well, I don't, it's anyway. fluid. So that might change yeah. per series or whatever. So, yeah, I mean that, that that's hard to quantify too. Cause if you're just, they just do that based on overall record again, someone might say like, cause the Cubs are, what are they? Four games over 500 right now. You know, you might go like, Oh, well, well, you know, their, their overall record is, you know, it's whatever a five thirty three winning percentage or something like that. But like, so that makes so-and-so schedule a little bit weaker because they're just a little, a few games over 500, but it doesn't take into the fact that they've been playing like gangbusters for two months now. Right. So like, like it, it, that, that shit just drives me nuts. Right. I mean, drawing I, an arbitrary line in the sand and pulling yeah. stats. Yeah, I mean, like just just that the strength of schedule thing is hard to measure because yeah, one thing Hawk Harrelson always got right: it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And it's said, every, probably every yeah. other episode we bring I, that up. Somehow. I mean, it, it's so true. Like the Sox took two out of three from the Yankees, but the Yankees are like beaten down at this point. They are well, not the Yankees from the beginning of the season. I, I would think your Sox would be even more beaten down, but somehow not. You're, you're, you've rallied. No, we're, we we, we have an over 500 record since all the, we traded away all those deadbeats, <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Yeah, <laughs> like, I hate, I hate that like, Giolito and Burger guys. I mean, but I got to say, like right now, I'm eating a little crow on my assessment of the Cubs of what I did to you on the last episode. They, this is why uh, I'm bringing it up. They, they, I, I'm going to admit right now, I, it doesn't mean my ultimate statement won't be true that they won't make the playoffs. But you know what? Now looking at it, I think your assessment was more correct than mine because if they can sign, if they can sign Cody Bellinger, which <sighs> I, I could see him wanting to come back. Cause why would he go? Why would he want to go somewhere else and risk losing the magic that the Cubs have, have tapped into for him? That's a great point. 
it, it is a great point. Um, I, I made it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just building off of what you said. I'm agreeing with you for uh, one of the few times, but actually, we agree way more than we ever used to, folks. So, like, that's, not, not that's, last episode. So, no, well, nice. it was last episode was fun, but uh, <laughs> I was also you were drunk. hammered drunk. I was drunk last episode, so <laughs> <laughs> you get a bit, a little bit of a different take. But, but having watched the Cubs, like, like looked in on the Cubs and 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 seeing how they've been playing and even though it was at home taking two out of three from a great Atlanta team. Um, like, you know what? They are building something good there. And kudos, kudos to Hoyer. It doesn't mean anything. We don't know what next year is going to bring, but if, if they can resign Bellinger and this team can play like they've been playing and that's how they start off next year, but continue it. Don't have like uh major fall off in may when they went 10 and 18 um yeah. like they 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 could already be back in the conversation as a as a real as like the shortest like turner one of the shorter turnarounds from what looked like was going to be a much longer process yeah it's it's crazy because you're making all my points for me it's it's crazy how how what a difference two weeks makes almost but it when you look at the full picture it's been the, those two months that, I, that we're actually talking about that it just sort of snuck up on me maybe snuck up on a lot of people of course they went on a massive winning streak for the last two weeks against you know under 500 competition but i don't mean to disparage your white Sox anymore but uh that included the Sox and the cardinals but then they, they included a split with the white Sox. was it no, no I, I don't think so. I'm joking. <laughs> I thought no. I could tr- fucking trick you right there. Well, uh, see, I can't see your face right now because of different things. So I wasn't sure what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I'm like, that was not a, st- a split, but but yeah. I mean, then the then the Cubs oh. followed that up by winning three out of four against the division leading at the time Cincinnati Reds, and then of course the aforementioned series win over the Braves, which kind of legitimized legitimized their recent run. So. I just thought it was amazing how everyone's perception has kind of shifted over the last couple of weeks since we've been gone. <laughs> I was definitely teetering on the edge of whether they were going to go for it or not, or if they were good or not. And that has definitely tipped tipped one way, even though it was happening under underneath my nose and I didn't even realize it. But of course, yeah, you brought up earlier the, the series loss to the Mets was, uh, I didn't see that coming. It was a, the game, especially the game last night. That was just a frustrating loss that they could have easily won. Just stop pitching to Pete Alonzo. Like, what, what are we doing? He had four home runs in the series. Like, and most of them were just meatballs. He crushed. Like, he was yeah. hitting tough pitches. So I don't fully understand that strategy. It would be the the, the Mets are... That's a fucked up franchise, of course, that we yes. made fun of for years. But it's a fairly fairly simple game plan. Just don't let Pete Alonzo beat you. And they absolutely let him beat them. So confusing, but whatever. But yeah, that, that conversation went a lot differently than I thought. I thought we, I thought I was going to throw a lot more numbers, but you were, you were making my points for me. So it's amazing what a difference a vacation will make. Yeah. So just, just real quick to touch upon. So yeah, you're right. The Justin Steele numbers for July got changed because they took all those it was but, huge, but, yeah. But in August, he is a has a four seven six ERA. 
So that, okay. That's, yeah, that's and that's wow. That's that's, what, that'd be one two star. games. Two games. Is it two? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I believe the last two starts he's let up like, like five around five runs or so. But the Cubs have, are scoring so many runs it just gets glossed over. He's two and zero with a four seven six ERA. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, just wanted to hammer my fucking point home. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Jesus. Well, I think I'm going to, if we can move on from the Cubs or should oh, yeah, I'm more than happy to. Yeah. <laughs> I got to, I got to move over to my Detroit Tigers. Ah, uh, the biggest news of the trade deadline. Yeah. The they, trade they, that never happened. Yeah. That, that, the, the irony is they were the talk of the trade deadline yet. They didn't make the trade of the deadline. It seemed to be right there. And the, the confusion on what the fuck happened there. I think that's going to lead to us an older segment of ours. Some, Hardball deep throat. <laughs> How much can you tell me about deep throat? Sergio Roma, a, a little bit heated there. Follow the money. The money's the key to whatever this is. Says who? Deep throat. Who? Oh, that's uh, Woodward's uh, garage freak, his source in the executive. He hits it deep. Garage freak. Jesus, what kind of a crazy fucking story is this? Immediately thrown off the belt, the glove, the hat, everything. Just follow the money. Investigative journalism to figure out how the hell this trade didn't happen. I I got a just some history here. I I got into Twitter, which I guess we have to call X now. Actually, I have to change yeah, what, our what I have the? to change our little symbols here. I've got the Twitter. The Twitter logo for our Twitter hang. Will you get on that for Christ's sake? Gotta switch that to X. I think I'm never calling it X, even though I just did. I know it's it's Twitter. It'll be Twitter probably in like three months. I'll switch back because it's it's all a ruse. But I got into Twitter strictly because of the trade deadline about probably 12 years ago, 10 years ago, because it is the perfect way to follow what the fuck's going on. You get real news in real time from real journalists. I had no interest in Twitter before that, but I had to know what was happening with the Tigers and Cubs. Think of all the joy it's brought us with Bob's bad tweets. Oh, I mean, uh, that yeah, he's been he's been okay with with trade deadline stuff. Uh, it's he gets deep in the weeds during the season, but I, I haven't noticed him being completely off on, well, on trade deadline accuracy. But he, he did he did though say that Lance Lynn was a done deal to the Rays. So <laughs> that's right, I forgot about that. So anyway. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Passan is somebody I, I trust implicitly, even though he's he's doing this from the from the injured yes. list. He's got yes. a broken back right now, but he's still breaking Oof. stories. Uh, Buster Olney is another one. There's there's plenty that I follow. But I was furiously uh, refreshing my Twitter throughout the afternoon on I was deadline doing the day. Same freaking thing on my phone. I was wondering because you're on vacation, so I didn't yeah, know if but, you were gonna have time. Or I, I kept I kept on. like looking. Well, I was, it was a, it was a really interesting deadline day. Uh, there, there had been some significant moves throughout the weekend, which, which was cool. And it didn't all just like land on one day, but lots of things were happening. Of course, the, the story I kept hearing and the only for the Tigers, at least what I was interested in is how the pitching market was going to finally loosen up. There hadn't been many pitchers traded. And of course the Tigers had Michael Lorenzen who did get traded, which and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, of course, um, who would have been the, the larger prize. But 
the centerpiece. Yes. The, the whole idea that I kept reading was that Justin Verlander was essentially holding up the entire pitching market. Like once, once he moved someplace, that was going to open up everything for everybody else. And that, that proved to be true. Cause I think it was, excuse me, maybe two, two o'clock Verlander finally got traded to Houston, which makes perfect sense. Um, and eventually Lorenzen got traded to the, to the Phillies for uh, their number five prospect. How you Lee uh, second base prospect sounds like kind of a utility guy kind of a depth piece he already i think he was their number 10 prospect but he automatically becomes the tigers number five prospect which is kind of surprising or maybe i got that backwards but uh so not a bad return for lorenzen since he was certainly a rental uh i thought he was you know kind of outperforming what he would would be eventually i'll be proven wrong i was proven wrong by that which we'll get to shortly uh, unbelievable but um i thought they sold high on him and i thought that was it was really nice you know that it worked out perfectly he was as good as he's ever been in his career at, at the trade deadline so i i didn't have a problem with, with what they got uh, i think i'd add more to that after the events of last evening <laughs> if we could but um but the real story was what and what i was waiting for and furiously re- refreshing twitter for twitter for was Eduardo Rodriguez news and about an hour before the deadline, I see a tweet from Jeff Passan and it said, I just started reading it and it said LA Dodgers and Detroit Tigers. And I almost started to hit the like button before I even read the next word. I was on the verge of, <laughs> unfortunately the next words were deal scuttled after <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez exercises no trade clause and immediately it myself and everyone in the fucking baseball world is like what the fuck just happened how how could he how could they make a start working on a deal to you know certainly the dodgers are reputable franchise the tigers with a brand new general manager but has has a pedigree that you would think he's an intelligent uh, executive that knew what he was doing. How could they get this far into the deadline, negotiate a deal, and yet not have the player's permission, who has a trade a no trade clause, not have his permission to actually pull off the deal? And it, it's just kind of an it ended up being an unfortunate way that the, the the tweet was phrased. It was it was true. There was nothing false about the phrase, but the the way it came out, it was that Scott Harris was a buffoon. He, he tried to negotiate this whole deal and never got Eduardo's permission to waive his no trade clause. And that was the narrative throughout the evening on, on that, I believe it was Monday night. Uh, he, the only one that spoke about it uh, was Scott Harris later that evening in his post-trade deadline news conference. <laughs> and unfortunately he really couldn't say much about it. And, and with hindsight, you, you know why. Uh, he couldn't really couldn't really get into details uh, with all the questions being asked. No one understood how he could get this far uh, without having permission. And the the way it actually turns out is, of course, he had spoken to Eduardo Rodriguez about his no trade clause. Uh, of course, they had he had agreed to, in certain terms, to waive that 
it went to the right team or in the right situation. And it's interesting because of course, uh, Eduardo had a deal signed with the Tigers by Alvila last year for a five-year deal for $77 million. He negotiated a, an opt-out after the second year, which is this year, which is what's made Erod a, an obvious trade candidate for a team that's not going to the playoffs. Uh, but it also included a no-trade clause. I knew that. Everybody knew that. There's no way Scott Harris didn't know that. So, But it was just very confusing and frustrating at the time that one hour before the trade deadline, you hear the, the star trade commodity is is not moved just because he he didn't uh, exercise or he did exercise his no trade clause. So, so that was Monday night. The the Tuesday after, Eduardo Rodriguez actually happened to be a starting pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. I thought he'd be a starting pitcher potentially for the LA Dodgers, but that was not the case. But they announced he would be speaking to the media after his game and. I went into the game. He's actually on my fantasy team, which I was thinking about dumping him because I was sure after everything that happened the previous day, he would be a, a basket case and just just have a terrible performance. And he was he was lights out. He I think he ended up giving up two runs over six or seven. He was as good as he as he had been previously in, in the best parts of his season so far. So so I was. I was kind of surprised by that and, and happy about that. I mean, cause it worked for my tigers and my fantasy team, but I was, I was really, really watching that game just to get through the game. So we could get to the goddamn interview where he actually explains what the fuck happened. And cause you know, he, he's the one that holds all the cards. He, he right. knew, he knew what was going on. It's not up to the, the tigers to explain it. It's not up to the Dodgers to explain it. It was up to him. You know, the reason Scott, I was, I was, assuming later in the evening the first night is that he couldn't he couldn't talk about things because he didn't want to throw his player under the bus he didn't want to you know throw the dodgers under the bus in in case they you know did something weird that he wasn't ready for or he wasn't happy about or something you know he just didn't know at that point but finally erod is interviewed after the game and he was he it was cool that he stood up there and answered all the questions i wasn't sure that he would um Unfortunately, didn't really answer and answer them in a gen, in a genuine way. I didn't think. I thought he was disingenuous. In fact, when when he was asked about you know what what happened with the with the deal with with the Dodgers, he just said, "I don't control anything that happens outside the lines." Meaning he's he only has control over what happens on the field in his pitching, and that's literally false. I mean. He's the one who has the no trade clause. He he's the one that has the opt out. So he holds all the cards. So he controls everything that happened outside the lines in this. So I thought that was a really weak, weak explanation. Uh, some, some players can get away with that, that don't have no trade clauses or opt out clauses that they control, but they, they leave, you know, they don't have control over that. So they leave everything up to their agent and figure things out. That, 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 that was not, that was certainly not the case. The other disingenuous thing he said is they asked him if he was going to opt in to his contract after the season with to stay with the Tigers, which is of <laughs> supreme interest right now because the Tigers just lost the chance to trade away uh, a piece at this deadline that could have brought back 
Very, very interesting returns from one of the strongest farm systems in all of baseball, and which we'll never know what, what could have been. So we're all trying to figure out what, you know, if at least we could hold on to him and maybe get something of value out of, out of this out of this contract. His response is that he did not have a magic ball or a crystal ball to, to tell the future if he was going to stay or not. It's like, dude, you have the opt out. You can choose to stay. Like, so he's acting like he has, he's powerless over the, all the events that transpired. And it makes me really frustrated, like how, how he thinks he can just say those things. And we're going to, we're going to believe that. So it makes, it makes me not, not trust him. And beyond that, I need to get into history here. Um, and a part that I missed, uh, another narrative that was flying around besides blaming Scott Harris before, before uh, more things came to light is people were starting to blame Eduardo Rodriguez's wife. I believe her name is Catherine. And she's a public figure of sorts. She's a, she's a Instagram influencer, I think. Oh, really? uh, But she also is part of the news in, in ways because of an incident that you may recall from last season uh, where yes. Ed, Eduardo Rodriguez had to leave the team for a total of almost two months uh, in his, within the first year of his five-year deal, he had left the team. Uh, at first it was very, a ridiculously confusing story. Uh, he essentially went AWOL. It, it wasn't reported for quite a while that the Tigers even knew where he was. I believe it was a week or maybe even two weeks before there were reports that, saying that we are finally in communication with Eduardo. We know he's okay, at least, which was, that was a legitimate question at that time. The dude, was he abducted? Like, what the fuck happened? Uh, it turns out uh, he was dealing with some marital issues, which is understandable. I mean, if you, if you have, we've seen it with Ben Zobrist. He had you know similar crazy issues with his wife at the end of his Cubs career where he had to take time off, but Nobody knew what was going on for, for a while. And essentially uh, it helped torpedo. One of many things that helped torpedo the Tigers 2022 season is we had no access to Eduardo Rodriguez for two months. So, so she was a known, known commodity in that we knew there were some marital issues. So people surmised from that information from last year. And then the strange turn of events at this trade deadline that, well, Scott Harris got Eduardo's permission previously to negotiating with the Dodgers to waive the, the no trade clause, but they didn't get his wife's permission. And she nixed the deal because she didn't want to go to Los Angeles. She wanted to stay on the East Coast or closer to the East Coast, at least. Um, that was reckless speculation. I actually saw some some regular journalists throw that out there. So it actually gained traction over the night. Um but with plausible reasons. I mean, we've we've seen there are there are issues that have affected the Tigers directly uh, with his marriage. So it doesn't seem fair, but it is in in this case. So what really happened though, and what it took uh, this is where we get to the hardball deep throat, the investigative journalist. Uh, it was not me. I'm not going to take credit for this, but of course, it was the most trustworthy of all baseball journalists, Ken Rosenthal. Finally, on Wednesday, dug up the fact that 
Eduardo Rodriguez and his agent, I forgot his name, Mateo, George Mateo, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, were demanding the Dodgers give him an extra year and $20 million onto his deal. It's unbelievable when I read that. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? Previous to that revelation, his uh, agent, Mateo, or whoever it is, released a statement you know, defending Eduardo, but saying they were working on a deal, but they simply ran out of time. And it's like, that is not an excuse that any agent can use in this situation. It's that is admitting incompetence. If it was a time issue that that's scuttled this deal, mind you, if we're talking about, if you're if we're really literally talking about time, there was still one hour left in the trade deadline before that deal was, or, uh, that deal was scuttled one hour before the actual yeah, deadline. So right. there was time. There, there's ways to get things done. We've seen even the incompetent Al Avila make a deal with three seconds to go at the deadline for Justin Verlander to the Astros back in 2017, which didn't do very well for the Tigers. Although we still have Jake Rogers from that. And you know, the they, they just have to alert the office too. That, yeah, I don't, that, I don't there, know the protocol if it yeah. has to be a fax sent out or how it works. It, these it, days, it used to be a it used to be they used to fax in that in principle, blah 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 and blah blah blah. I'm assuming that trade. can be as easy as a text or a right, phone call right. or anything now. So, but then the final paperwork can come in as and we saw it this year actually a lot. There were deals announced hours after the trade yes. deadline that things had gone through, but you know, the, the paperwork hadn't been to MLB office yet to make it official. So, yeah. So clearly that, that's the other side of this, you know, the, I, Eduardo's agent, I think is being very disingenuous as well, but when it's revealed that, and no one's spoken about this other than the reporting that I can see from Ken Rosenthal, that he asked for the, the one extra year on his deal and the $20 million. So what that implies is that the Dodgers asked him to waive his opt-out in addition already to his no trade clause. So on the surface, I, I think that's fairly reasonable in, in a way for Eduardo to ask for something in return because he, he's giving up not only, not only his no trade clause because he said he put the Dodgers right on his list, but he also is opting into the final three years, which, you know, he loses all his leverage in, in a way or the opportunity to become a free agent again. So to ask for something back isn't isn't necessarily out of bounds in, in, in my mind. at least. So I'm not going to hold him to the fire for that. The, the weirdness comes from the idea that a single year or a total of 20 million dollars would completely wipe out this deal. I'm wondering how the Tigers couldn't have stepped in and say, let's make this work. We will cover 10 million of that 20 million dollars, you know, how, or how the, how the Dodgers decided, well, fuck this. We can't possibly afford another $20 million, which is actually below market value for a pitcher right now for, a year. right. You know, that would be the end of his deal. So I'm, I'm still baffled by that part of it. Like there, at least there's some clarity. And I think there's some definite, the blame is on Eduardo. Um, it's not, it's not Scott Harris's incompetence. I can't believe it would be Andy Freeman's uh, 
negligence or stubbornness that may, that stopped this deal. Uh, there's something with there's something there's still one piece missing that I'm not fully understanding. We may never know the final details for, but uh, at least it brought some clarity. I think Ken Ken Rosenthal is really who brought the clarity to it. I'm not sure if everyone followed all the details all the way through. That's why I wanted to chronicle everything in this probably annoying, exhaustive manner. I wanted to get all these thoughts out there to, to at least put it to re- put most of it to rest in my mind. And hopefully, anyone who gives a shit uh, listen to this podcast. That th- this comes down to Eduardo and. Uh, Really, since his his the weird shit that happened in his first year, the, his explanations and not really taking taking ownership of the situation uh, this past week, really really makes me nervous about this guy's character. The thing is, he keeps shoving. He he had another fantastic outing yesterday, so he's not letting it affect anything on uh, anything of his performance on the field. He is, he's going to work for the Tigers still. And he, he keeps saying he loves it in Detroit. And that was part of his explanation why he, he didn't uh, waive his no trade clauses because they love it in Detroit somehow. And he's very comfortable there. And we'll see. I mean, if he opts in, then he was not being disingenuous and he was, he was being forthright. But somehow I don't believe it. Uh, and the way he's kind of s- stepping around the issue, I, I just, I'd be shocked if he's a Tiger next year, which means. We will Tigers fans will always be thinking about those four or five prospects that could have come from the, the embarrassingly rich Dodgers system. Uh, I think your your White Sox took advantage of that system in a couple of trades we'll talk about here, but I think you're pretty happy with what you got from from those same Dodgers. So it'll it'll always be tantalizing to Tigers fans what, what could have been. And I I'm gonna blame Erod for that not happening. Do you think there's a narrative that went around after all this came out that Scott Harris was negligent in that he hadn't worked any sort of like backup deals knowing, knowing, knowing that there was still some negotiating that needed to be worked out. Yep. I'm glad you brought that up because that that's, that's still a narrative. Um, What, I believe happened was Verlander was the Dodgers number one option. That was their plan a. And when he went to Houston plan B was already in place. And that was Eduardo Rodriguez. And they had, they had everything worked out. Uh, you know, he agreed to waive his no trade clause. I believe at the end, he either the Dodgers demanded that he opt in to the final three years or he or he had already agreed to that but then he upped his demands and that he wanted another year and 20 million dollars so that's where it's confusing to to the idea that scott harris was negligent and didn't have a plan b i would say you could you could argue the same thing in this situation for andrew freeman that he didn't have a plan B either because they didn't make it. They didn't make another deal with an hour to go. So they, they were both completely caught off guard by it. And yeah. they, no one was prepared for it. So it's unfortunate that this is Scott Harris's first trade deadline. And that's what, that's why that narrative has legs. Cause we, he doesn't have a track record that suggests he knows what the fuck he's doing where 
the Dodgers definitely do. And they were caught flat footed as well. So that it could be that free that Harris fucked this up completely, but I tend to, you know, I'm going to be an apologist for him until I know for a fact he's as incompetent as El Avila was. But I don't, I don't think so mainly because the Dodgers were caught just as flat footed. And it was just, just a bizarre situation that no one's, yeah. no one's that's really a, figured out, but that's a fair assessment that I'm surprised other people haven't really made in, in the fact that if the team, they, they, the Dodgers knew more than, than probably Scott Harris at that point. I'm sure he was checking in on how things were transpiring. Yeah, because that's a good point. The one working the deal, they would yeah. know that, okay, well, we got to make a decision on if we want to pay him this 21, this $20 million or yeah. not. And the fact that, unless it came out so late in the deal, like, again, I guess it's just so bizarre. We'll never know. We can the all hour speculate. left. The yeah, hour left drives hour me crazy. Left. Yeah. I just, and I, yeah, you're right. Cause that story broke with an hour left to the trade deadline. And everyone was like, what the fuck? I'll never and I think that that's moment. what, I, and I also think that's why people think, well, what were you doing? Scott Harris, you still had an hour to work the phones, but you know, he's not going to go on. He's not going to go on and say, well, I worked the phones for an hour and couldn't get a trade done. He's not, no one's going to tell you what really happened. Yeah. And he may and have we, done that. He also he said he wasn't, that. he wasn't going to give them away for nothing. Cause now, now well, the that's, play the, is, that's the other thing. Like yeah. the, the, the next thing you'd want to do is only negotiate with the teams he would agree to go to. So you didn't run into this again, but maybe they didn't have what was good for the Tigers. So I think what, what be, and another explanation for that might be that it was obvious that Eduardo wasn't, wasn't going to be reasonable or whatever that there was no opportunity for his camp did not want him to be traded at that point. So yeah, that, that's the only thing I can think of. And, you know, maybe this is, I'm certainly not an insider. <laughs> I am. I'm playing the the role of Woodward and Woodward and Bernstein here. I'm not an investigative journalist, but I'm playing off of other, other people's work and trying to connect dots. That's the only thing I can think of how, of how this would work. And it all just points back to Erod not to incompetence of anyone's general manager, which we like to, we like to uh, blame for on, in a lot of levels on, on all of our teams <laughs> over the years. So it's just not the case. I don't think in this, in this case. So, well, the only other thing I want to talk about with the Tigers is the story of Miguel Cabrera's final year. Uh, he's continuing to rack up milestones. He had three hits last night alone the coolest thing about him getting hits uh, at this point is, especially late in the game, he gets he gets pulled for a pinch runner, and he gets to get the, you know get the applause of the fans. He gets his gets his moment every time. And he's been doing that a lot lately. Late late inning hits, gets pulled for a pinch runner, gets the standing ovation as he as he comes out the field. But last night was even sweeter as his three hits not only put him past Tony Gwynn on the all time hits list put him past Robin Yount as well uh, to make him uh, in the, he's in the top 20. I believe he's 19 overall on the all time hits list. So he's, he's got a chance to pass a few more this season. It's just been fun. This is something I did not expect considering his uh, precipitous demise over the last five years or so. With just no production, mainly injuries and just, just a guy that's past his prime in general. Uh, I didn't think he would have, 
much joy this season or Tigers fans would have much joy watching him. It'd be a frustrating experience. It's been the opposite, you know, as, as he's had a blast, he's been getting his recognition from, from teams across the league. He's also not in an embarrassment by any way on the field. He he's getting his hits and it's, it's super cool. And he's getting past, he's getting reward of that. The fans are getting reward of that by that. Uh, every time you hear him pass another milestone. So it's, it's, it's getting to the point where people are really recognizing, I think, what a treasure Miguel Cabrera has, has been for us all to witness, but especially Tigers fans. Over this, uh, I think it was close to two weeks ago during our during our break, uh, the Tigers were in Miami, and the Marlins went nuts for him. They, they had a Venezuelan night there, which was awesome because it was a packed house, which I don't think they get very often almost everyone in the stands was essentially rooting for Miguel the whole time, not, not the Tigers or, or the Marlins. They're rooting for Miggy. And it, it was, he had a nice series too. Plenty to cheer for. It was just a fun time. So it, it, this whole experience is kind of the opposite of what, of what I expect to see out of, out of Miggy's last year. It's, it's really cool. So I just wanted to bring that up and hopefully, hopefully I get to bring it up a few more times before the season's end, season and his career ends. I think that leads us to one of our signature segments. Well, yeah. I think you maybe you noticed or didn't notice. I've got, I've got the camera angle a little bit wrong, but I'm wearing my Vans t-shirt. Oh, I did not notice. That is in honor of one Michael Lorenzen, former Tiger who was traded at the deadline. Throwing the first of our segment, no-no of the week. no-nos of the week we've been gone for two weeks so of course there were two no-nos no-nos of the two weeks yeah no no uh the most recent one of course is michael lorenzen who threw a no-hitter for the philadelphia phillies in his second philly start and the first in philadelphia which makes him crazy the most instant legend in philly history they might have a statue of him next to rocky already I think the Rocky statue is down is it? and replaced right. with Lorenzo. Yeah, I think it should. Uh, that statue will have Vans cleats, of course, because he is famous for uh, actually having, I don't know if he has a deal with Vans or how they work it out, but he has always worn Vans on the mound. And they've developed a Vans cleat for him to use, which maybe in a skateboarder at heart, uh, I've always worn Vans. Uh, I always thought that was cool. He is a skater is why he, a former skater, I guess. Uh, that's why he's uh, he's always wearing Vans. Thought that was cool. He had. Uh, I just can't imagine making a, a better impression on your your new fan base. Uh, the first time you're in front of them, you throw a fucking no hitter. I'm really happy for him. It sucks that this is not happening in a Tigers uniform, but <laughs> he's a good guy. He's been a journeyman, and we've talked about it all year. He's not been a great pitcher, but he just seems like a good guy. And the coolest thing he said, which really made an impression on me, and I brought it up before, is before the season started, he said he decided to come to the Tigers because he knew they would make him better. And that, 
that is proved that is proved so true and he's he's even backed that up after he was traded he said the same thing he's like i, I came here knew they'd help me in my career and they did and i'll appreciate that forever so i think there's a potential he might come back although now he's got he is the favorite son of philadelphia so he might be set up in a much better situation but he might for that guy to have the the year of his life and a lot of that was because of detroit and in detroit to see that continue I'm happy for him. It would have been better if it happened with the Tigers. It would have been happier, been better if, it, if I hadn't dropped him for my fantasy team a couple of weeks ago. Could have used that no hitter, but uh, just super cool. I appreciate. It. I think you you saw that he and I tried to look this up. Was it 124 pitches or 26 or nine? Something. It was a lot. It was a lot of. It was a lot of pitches. It's something you don't see a lot. Like I'm a little well, worried about that. You don't see that a lot because it tends to lead to issues going yeah. forward. I mean, the most famous, of course, is, um, oh, my God, Johan Santana. No. That is it? Yeah. Yeah, Johan Santana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. From the from Mets, he ended up throwing like 130-something pitches to get the first no-hitter in Mets history. And his career is essentially over after that game. But he got his no-hitter, and the Mets got theirs. But So you kind of worry about, um, you know, somebody going that deep because you just never see it anymore. And whether the the data says that always have you know always injuries happen after you know so many pitches, especially when their teams have avoided that for so long, where no one gets even close to that, to all of a sudden get to that that number of pitches, it kind of makes you nervous that he could have some issues going forward. But hopefully not. Uh, regardless, he's had the year of his life. He is a legend in Detroit. He is a bigger legend already in Philadelphia. Uh, might be too big of expectations he can he only has he can only go down from here like where does he go um, until he pitches another no hitter in, in the maybe, few days maybe that is his destiny we'll see. <laughs> so, congratulations uh michael lorenzen but of course that is not the only no no that we have to speak of we have a maddox no no to speak of with framber right. valdez under a hundo pitchos. He got his no hitter with 93 pitches against the Cleveland guardians. That that's again, an indictment of the AL central right there. <laughs> that is so AL central. Uh, yeah. Framber Valdez just completely dominated the, the guardians. He actually faced the minimum. He allowed one walk, but I, I guess they got a double play when they, when they, when the one base runner got on. So he faced the minimum 27 batters. So yeah. To get a no hitter, to face the minimum, and to have it under 100 pitches—it's incredible! It's incredible, man. That's as cool as it gets. I, I, yeah. I kind of don't have vitriol anymore for the Astros. I kind of no, I've kind of, I've kind of lost it too. Like time has passed. I feel like they've put up with a lot of shit over time. They've also proven they are a great organization, whether they're cheating or not. Um, yeah, they still are. But I think that that kind of vitriol has died down. So I also, I mean. I think maybe my attitude hinges on Justin Verlander now that he's back with the Astros. So I'll be rooting for him at least going forward in these playoffs. Um, especially since my Tigers won't be involved in the playoffs. We'll see if the Cubs are, but I think, I think that's, that's a rooting interest at least, but yeah, I mean, we, we made the joke year last, the last couple of years, we have the no, no of the week. Cause it was happening every single fucking week. Yeah. We had had a dry spell for quite some time this season. Now it's happening every single week again. I think we've had, yeah. this, I think we had one in the last episode two weeks ago. Now we've got two this week. So our, our 
No, no, the week is coming to fruition once again. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I think that leads to our a segment we've neglected for the last few weeks, our shit we couldn't make up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> For a Starkey Cemetery. Come to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Yeah. Um, you, I'll go. You go. And then I'll go. Yeah, we didn't talk about this. Why don't you do yours? I've got one. And then you can finish up with your second one. Yeah. Uh, th- this one uh, I've showed up in my uh, Twitter feed. Um Apparently, a disgruntled Yankees fan uh, posted the Yankees left fielder position as a job on Indeed uh, for, <laughs> for only $15 an hour. So, so uh, I, I guess uh, it's come to that, that the Yankees fans are now going to job boards to post <laughs> position jobs for the Yankees to try to help them out. So. Uh- I love fan angst, but creative fan angst is is the best. Great, yeah. I mean, get get, you know, throw a bunch of swear words and disparaging remarks against the players you hate on your own team on Twitter. Big deal. Anybody can do that. But take it to the next level. (laughs) Create a job, a job opportunity. (laughs) Indeed, that's brilliant. Um, Did you want to go with yours? Yeah, I'll go ahead Uh, with mine. Of course, always comes back to the Angels. It seems. As they took away our fun at the trade deadline, pulling Shohei Otani off the trade market a week before the deadline itself, and then went for it by trading for (laughs) Lucas Giolito, being buyers of the deadline instead of sellers, of course. And in that time, they have gone, well, now they are four and nine. Uh, They were two and nine from that moment of going for it, but then they beat your Giants the last two nights. So yeah, the Giants yeah, are kind of so. ruining my narrative there, but yeah, the idea that the the Angels would go for it seemed perplexing and disappointing, just because everyone is ready to jump in on the Shohei Otani sweepstakes before it officially happens next year. Just imagining the the trade opportunities the Angels could have had, uh, what kind of riches they would have brought back and prospects, uh, just you know, but to get the have the the unicorn that is Shohei Otani on your team for two months to make a playoff run. And you're not going to. <laughs> yeah, they, they took that away. And now they took it away from everyone, even from themselves by going on this slide. They are now 10 and a half games out of the division. So that's it's unbelievable. They are seven games out of the wild card. Uh, so they basically went for it and lost it within a week. And yeah. Again, it just brings up what a baseball tragedy the Angels are by taking taking the world, taking Mike Trout, number one, and then now Shohei Otani from the world of baseball, essentially. They will not be participating in the playoffs once again just because the Angels are a completely inept organization. For whatever reason, they have the two of the greatest players of our generation, maybe of any generation. Yeah, they can't get to the fucking playoffs. Unbelievable. Speaking of not getting to the playoffs, it's, it's kind of fitting we've got two New York teams because of, of uh, we we were both Chicago was playing New York at the same time. Um, Sox here and 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 the the Cubs are visiting the mess and the the mess mm. uh, as they 
dumped players and made trades and not only spending 368 million dollars in their payroll this year well not only did they get you know players in return they also ended up shelling out a lot of money to these other teams to take their players because of the high contracts and the funny part about this is the current Mets payroll is one they really I mean they really gouged it is 153.2 oh after they traded away yeah. Verlander and yeah. Scherzer yeah they wow. are paying uh I think they traded I think there's a couple other guys that traded yeah, they I'm are sure. pay, they are paying their players to play elsewhere 137.5 million almost the same amount of their current payroll I mean, if you want to talk, this is this is this is Washington Nationals territory right here. Because yeah. now Scherzer is getting three checks. <laughs> he will be getting a check from the Rangers for whatever the Mets the remainder. Yeah, he'll be getting a check from the Mets, and he'll be continuing to get Still. checks from the Nationals. Well, that that dude's funny. laughing. That that dude is. He's, he's laughing all the way to the fucking bank. I mean, well, he's a world champion. So yeah, he, yeah he did, that, he's gotten what he's deserved. He I mean, wins. I'm not saying, yeah. He wins on every level, but, I, but that's some shit you just couldn't make up, man. I agree. I, I've, I have heard you said the, they're paying for their players not to play for him, but I've heard other people phrase it as they are basically buying a farm system. They are eating those contracts in order to negotiate getting better prospects. Yeah. And that's, from, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It is, but it's, it's kind of gross. I mean, it's really gross. And it's kind of something to, to think about going forward as Stephen Cohen is we're operating a, in a different stratosphere money-wise than anyone else is uh, potentially, or at least he's, he's willing to. Um, that That's, that's something I want to keep, keep tabs on. It, it seems to be a kind of a new thing in that, they got great prospects for you know, 40 plus year old Scherzer and 40 plus year old Verlander simply because they ate so much money on their deal. So it was, right. it was palatable to, to the trading teams, but that was only to get better prospects and they got great prospects back. So that, that might be, we might even see this in the next collective bargaining agreement to see how that, that side of things works. But, that could lead to a huge competitive advantage or disadvantage to other teams. If that, if that is a new paradigm where you can simply buy a fucking farm system by, you know, sell, investing, paying top players way too much money as, as the Mets just did, but it not really mattering just because you're a, he's a 16 Cohen's worth like what $16 billion. So who cares if he's eating $35 million, 70 million, hundred What'd you say the number was total? 137.5. Is it worth him to worth that to buy the best farm system and then maybe you know use those assets for whatever you want, whether it helps the helps the club on, on the field or if those are trade assets at some point um, for other for other things, which I think is his big his big picture game, just to build up the farm system to trade those prospects away to get more proven players. So that's that's a larger conversation that I just brought up, but it's I I guess it's just interesting. It's something uh something I'm wary of and something to keep an eye on, especially with the Mets and their nefarious ways. Yes. 
Well, I don't know if nefarious ways is a, is a segue, but we might as well move over to our asshole of the week. What is your problem, you insensitive asshole? Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. Yeah. I think this is a pretty obvious one. I've, I've seen like, non-sports entities reporting about this and you know, CNN and everywhere else. But the Baltimore Orioles, who are having, I mean, the most remarkable season they've had in the last know, 10 years at least. Uh, just they're the, I think they have the second best record in baseball or the American League. It's something like that building they they're doing it the right way they're building it through building through their system they have called up all sorts of prospects through and they're all all coming together to form a really formidable team unfortunately they somehow want to shoot themselves in their own foot and ruin this great feeling by yes mysteriously suspending their pretty well-known and beloved broadcaster kevin brown for not being positive enough, I guess, is how you'd phrase it. Um, They thought he was being negative when he brought up on a pregame show in in Tampa Bay that the the Orioles had won more games in Tropicana Field this year than they had in the previous three years combined. Yeah, I don't know why stating facts is such a bad thing. One, that's a fact. Number two, that sounds really positive to me. They've turned things around as this positive vibe is is permeating throughout Baltimore. But somehow John Angelos, owner of the Angels or of the Orioles, says, I guess that's not good enough. You need to be even more positive. Don't bring up anything from the past. Only positivity. That's all we want out of our announcers. And he was mysteriously suspended. It wasn't even really announced. People just sort of figured it out that. He was gone. He actually was moved removed from the TV broadcast and was on a radio call, I think, the next day. And then he was gone from all of those for the better part of a week before I, th- I believe it was a Reddit, uh, Reddit uh, feed or whatever, whatever you call it, that started to bring it up. And they all realized, I think this guy's been suspended. And it ended up being true that he was suspended for not being positive enough, I guess, for Angelos's liking what what's what what puzzles me about this is i I watched it and i don't think anyone thought he said anything wrong but there's a whole team of producers right yeah and they must have put together it wasn't like he came in and said let's let's talk about how (laughs) how things have been bad here at tropicana field he did not go rogue to your point yeah and he's the one that takes the brunt. Uh, that takes the brunt. There was a graphic made that he was yes. reading over. There, yes. it was in the it was in the pregame game notes produced yes. by the Orioles. It's just yes. a it's a fact, also, and it's a positive fact. So it is bizarre. It is small minded. It is just I, small of I, John Angelos to do this. I don't even I I don't understand it. And 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 uh, you know I Benetti is friends with them, and so yeah. so this is really funny. Here's the quote. Uh, top of the second inning the other night against the Yankees, 
He goes, uh, pointed out that New York has beaten first place Baltimore six times this season and then added, I hope I don't get suspended by the Orioles for saying that. That's the best thing. Like all these, all these broadcasters, they probably almost all went to school together. Everybody goes to Syracuse essentially. So they all know each other. And that's the best part of this is they can kind of come to each other's aid because with the same night that Benetti was making jokes about that, there were like 10 different broadcasters that were either like directly commenting about it or joking about it, like draw, bringing light to what a ridiculous situation this is. So it was kind of cool, cool, kind of cool to see the brotherhood get together and say, this is outrageous what, yeah. what's happening here. Probably right. for fear that it could happen to them as well. If this, this current climate continues where just stating facts is a, is an issue with ownership for whatever. Well, it's, it, I remember the Tribune company with, with stone. Well, we've got uh, that to know, talk about for sure. That That's a little bit different. I, that's I a little different because that. he was, there was opinion, negative opinions expressed, but there were also things was he the, was statistically stating as fact yeah. that well, the, that was the, the biggest difference is it wasn't the Tribune. It was Ken Merker that was having an issue with it. He actually went up to the booth and confronted uh, Steve Stone about it. So it was the childish 2004 Chicago Cubs that had the problem with it. That, that team is such a disaster in so many ways, so disappointing yeah. in so many ways. But that being the most embarrassing aspect of it, Stone wasn't actually fired. He he quit because the atmosphere was so ridiculous in his mind. I, I don't know oh, for some reason i always i always read it as that's what i thought i had fired. to look it up yeah no he was not but that was a similar ridiculous situation that didn't involve ownership at least but it <laughs> the idea that it could could be led by a player is even more than ridiculous but um i had one more point oh i know uh this is not unheard of within the history of the baltimore orioles Interesting. In fact, a very similar situation played out in the late 90s with John Miller, who you are oh, intimately familiar with. I love with, John Miller. Being the Giants. He's a radio announcer with the Giants, isn't he? He does he NBC, was, NBC too, when they're on NBC. Okay. Well, and of yeah, course, TV. he was famous nationally as doing ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, uh, unfortunately with Joe Morgan, who was annoying as fuck. But John Miller was always... I thought he was like the voice of God, the voice yeah, of baseball. Yeah, no, it, it was it was good. It was good back then. He, he Not had, now. No, but uh, it's they uh, actually John Angelos's father, Peter Angelos, the original owner of the, or the previous owner of the Orioles, actually did a similar thing when apparently John Miller wasn't being positive enough and actually fired him and. It was a gift from heaven for Giants fans that he moved over there and has been their announcer for, I guess, 27 years now that he's been, been their broadcaster. So it's just sad that the, the Orioles are finally being, you know, they have a great team for the first time in for fucking ever. And they, they've immediately turned that to shit in the public opinion for such a ridiculously small, small-minded action as this and just universally unpopular. I heard, I heard someone else bring up on the, on, I think it was uh, Danny Parkins, uh, Parkins Spiegel, brought up like how in sports, politics, anything these days, there's n no universal opinion. People will find, argue about everything, you know, one way or the other, about anything. But 
this this particular issue, there's no one that is on the on the Orioles side of this at all. Everyone right, no. I mean, Brown side. So this is just universally panned by by the world. So wow, John Angelos and the Baltimore Orioles. You are our assholes of the week. Boom. I think that's it. Well, I do have one final thing I wanted to bring up. Oh God. And I'm going to call this the a fantasy minute. Nerd alert. The fuck is this? It's our fantasy baseball draft. Your fantasy what? It's our draft. You know, like the general manager of a baseball team. <laughs> if you only knew the power. Championship. Maybe this is a new segment. Yes, <laughs> well, I wanted to, as, as an asshole, as this is clearly an asshole statement, we are major league a-holes on this podcast. Our fantasy league is, uh, it's an AL only actually, because we only have six guys playing this year. So dropped down to just AL only. So we were the American league assholes. I wanted to point out that uh, as of prior to this recording, I am at 52.5 points in our league and a possible 60 which uh, we are a five by five league. We have six players. So the, if you get the maximum amount of points, it would be 60. And I, I'm starting to approach that. I have, I'm in the lead in five categories out of 10. I'm in second place in three more. I'm in third place in the other two. And I'm, I'm not going to ask you if you think I can get all 10 categories by the end of the care. season. <laughs> I'm going to ask you if I do somehow do that. Should I quit fantasy baseball? Because yes. I could never have a better season than winning all 10 categories yes. in our league. You should. Should you I should quit? Should I just quit? I'm the commissioner. You so you'd, yeah. you're the co-commissioner. So you'd have to take over commissioner duties. But... Yeah, maybe it just gets dissolved completely then. <laughs> Would that be a reason for a league to dissolve if, if one member actually won every single category? How, how many times have you won the championship? If I you I'm a, I think I'm at five. We yeah. started this. We started this in 2004. Uh, you and I tied the first year, which is yeah. amazing. You and I started the league. Uh, we did not have the proclivity to understand that there could possibly be a tie in a roto league. Uh, so we ended up both sharing the championship, which is weird <laughs> to say the least. But uh, I think I'm a, I'm now up to five championships. Okay, this would be this would be your fifth this year. No, this or would be sixth. six. Yeah. And we started in 2004. Eh, so that's not, I mean, six over 20 years. All right. It's not as bad as I, it's not as annoying as I quite thought, but still. It's approaching, it's approaching Yankees territory. I mean, it's definitely approaching, I've got too much time on my hands territory. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, I might be the only guy in the league without children. So that might explain part of it. Yeah. But again, I need to point out, we do have a Cadillac league. We're not making transactions every day. We're essentially yeah. limited to 50 transactions per year, which works out to two a week. So we're not setting a lineup every morning, which is a big reason people hate fantasy baseball. And you and yeah. I avoided that to begin with. So yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit back on that and that excuse, but yeah, I mean, my team looked like it was uh, going to run away with things for a while there. And then everyone got, you know, I'm pulling the dub here, but like my, I've had, I have so many players who aren't even on my team anymore because they all had season ending fucking injuries. Mm, I've got a couple of those, not as many. Well, you have Otani who Otani. 
sometimes your roster is not legal. Sometimes it is. So, you know, when Otani's not in the pitching spot, you need to pick up a pitcher because, you know, you need a, you need a full. I just left it empty. Crew. Yeah, no, you, you can't. Don't. That's, that's an illegal roster. No, it's not. I mean, by definition, it's not an illegal roster. I mean, it's in, we, we set it up that way. I'm just, I'm just working at a technically disadvantage because I don't have that player going. But you have to have a minimum of six starting pitchers. Uh, you no active on the roster. No, you have to. You can have a maximum of six pitchers. Is, is how it works. That's how <laughs> we don't need to debate the yeah the bylaw, so he, bylaws of our folks, just 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 so you know he's been cheating all year. So. <laughs> well, I did say that having Shohei is is potentially a cheat code. And we might have to ban him from the league next year just because it's such a huge advantage if you use him correctly. Although I actually actually thought next year to mix things up, we should probably do NL only next year and then AL only the next year and then NL only the next year. That's interesting. Well, we'll yeah. think about that. We could we could talk about that off air because I think we've already spent too much time. I, I called this a, the fantasy minute because I thought we'd only talk about it for a minute. Well, you already had talked more than a minute, so it was out the <laughs> door at that point. So I'm trying to wrap this up, but yeah, wrap it up for you're fuck's right, sake. Right. You 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 brought you started this. So. I am an asshole. I, I yeah, really admit that. This entire segment. Right. You are a hundred percent asshole right now. I, I am one hundred percent. I have and I have never backed away from that. I've named all of our shit. <laughs> about being an asshole. So I, I Here's to you. Here's give to me credit you, for owning Smitty. it. <laughs> well, let's wrap up this. Wow. This is going to be two and a half hours. I think uh, I'll see how I can fit this all together. We're going to split off the, the stocks type thing into its own podcast once again, to get this all to work, but thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for letting us get all this shit out that we've had built up over the last couple of weeks. Um, it's a great show. I enjoyed this immensely. Good to talk baseball again with you. Uh, in the meantime, you Come can. Come back to our 20-minute show next week. Yeah. Might not be much. <laughs> might as well get it all out now because there might not be a whole lot to talk about between our teams. We'll see yeah. how the Cubs could progress. Um, we'll see what the Giants do. But other than that, I'm not sure how much. Well, yeah. Never know what the Sox might do next week. The Sox might. The Sox are only thirteen games out now. They've gained a few games. They say, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Since they traded all that dead weight, so yeah, they may exactly. But they are. We should okay. Just because this is all so long already, you might as well yeah. just get this out. Who cares? I forgot. Shit, Pete forgot. But the Sox kind of hold the Cubs' fate in their hands. They are playing Milwaukee the oh. next three games and then they go and play the Cubs. Yeah. I, I know exactly how this is going to play out. So yeah, the Sox are going to lose all three to Milwaukee Seen and then every time. The, and, and then, and then sweep the Cubs at home. You heard it here first. Yeah. We can totally see that coming. So thank you in advance for that. Appreciate that. So we'll talk yeah. about that next week. So here's well, your, that's your there, preview for next week. Beyond the, 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 you know, anecdotal history of that, it seems like every year that the Cubs and Sox split and they split on the road, whoever the road team is wins those yeah. wins those local series. So I never understood that, but I, I have a feeling that's going to continue somehow, some way, even though it seems completely unlikely at this moment. But. All right. We are wrapping this up finally, mercifully. So you can find us on the web at majorleagueholes.com and thing.com. You can get our merchandise at uh, aesthetics.shop, A-S-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S dot shop. You can find us on social media. Uh, 
I'm still calling it Twitter. Uh, Pete's yes. that socks type thing. I have a major league a-hole spelled kind of fucked up, but I spell it out below my name here. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram as well. You can find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I'm going to finally declare this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, A-S-S-H-O-L-E. And I'm proud of it. We're at Media.